Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. It's Paul here with you this evening. I have got uh, Stephen joining me, but he's running a tad late. So, um, I'll be kicking off on my own for the first quarter of an hour or so. So hopefully uh, you can uh, survive that and get through to when Stephen joins us here on the uh, Driving Wall Show. What are we going to talk about? Well, we'll have a quick look at uh, some of the news items. Um, I also put out a uh, call onto Twitter for some questions. And uh, we've got a couple of questions from there um, to um, talk about uh, that I will talk about on that one. Uh, and. Um, Hopefully, unfortunately, it looks like my camera um, has uh, is having issues. I don't know why it's uh, pretend not uh, thinking it's not plugged in. But we'll try that uh, again. So hopefully, you've still got sound, and hopefully, the camera will come back soon. Um, I've just uh, plugged it, uh, unplugged it, and plugged it back in. We'll see what happens on that one. Otherwise, um, we can um, change uh, which uh, camera we're going to. So the head over to a different camera um, for now. Hopefully that'll work, he says. And uh, no, that one doesn't work either. What's going on? Oh no, technical issues. Sorry, folks. Uh, this I've got my branding wrong as well. So as you're on the podcast, won't care because, hey, um, what does, um, who cares about uh, the, um, what's uh, going on with the, uh, with the picture when you're listening to a podcast. So I will try one more time to plug it in and uh, might have to go with uh, no camera uh, this evening if it uh, cannot uh, fix itself there so uh, it's that's uh, sorry about some um, the camera folks uh, on um, that uh, on that one let's have one last try to see if we can uh, change camera uh, and uh, see if we uh, get a picture uh, and uh, if not we'll just get on with the show uh, with uh, no camera um, folks, so I don't know why the camera's not working this evening, but hey, uh, you can hear me. So hopefully that one uh, will uh, work. Uh, well, hopefully you cope um, with that. And if I get some um, Stephen on board, then obviously we can uh, have his lovely face on the uh, on the show. Uh, let's go off with the news then. 
um, this uh, evening. And uh, we've had the uh, Super Rugby fixtures have come out with round two uh, is um, going to be the uh, Super Round over in uh, where is it again Melbourne um, with all the uh, games uh, over there. That uh, means that uh, this time though, uh, last time it was all uh, the New Zealand teams have taken home games over there. This time uh, it looks like it is a, a bit of a mix of them because we've got some, what is it? So some, some, some of the games are between New Zealand teams, so Crusaders, Highlanders uh, and Rebels, Hurricanes would be on the uh, Friday night. Moana Pacifica and the Chiefs, now that's the Chiefs home games, I'm not quite sure which round they, which round they are on the display I'm seeing here. And then Fiji and Drua versus Waratahs are the two games on the Saturday. And Sunday is the Blues, Brumbies and the Force versus the Reds. So it looks like it's a bit of a mixture next year of different teams on that one. So we'll let's see how that um, uh, pans out uh, for that. Because uh, as I say, uh, it's uh, so it wasn't great. There wasn't a great turnout to the show uh, or to, to the um, Super Round last year that was all in uh, Melbourne so um, but there we go it's there again for that one um, other news uh, the uh, Moana Pacifica are taking one of their games over to Samoa which is fantastic to see now see the travel issues uh, have been um, uh, removed I must admit, I've not checked to see where the Fiji and Drua games are going to be and whether they're having whether all their games will be in Fiji or if they will be hosting some of their games in uh, Australia, like um, they did this year. Uh, having a quick look on uh, the Tribe Sports app, my, the uh, best place for that. Uh, it looks like, yes, Fiji and Drua uh, on their TBD, it says at the moment, as a venue in Fiji. So hopefully Fiji and Drua will be able to host all of their games in Fiji. Moana Pacifica, as I say, taking one game over to Samoa. Um, all of the rest will be held will be hosted out of Mount Smart Stadium again this round. So uh, on that um, one, uh, because of the Super Round being in Melbourne, that means that the Crusaders, Rebels, Moana, they've also got Moana to down first round. I'm pretty sure the Chiefs um, have had it down as one of their home games. So we'll have to see how that uh, how Super Round, Super Round goes on that one. Uh, so uh, not sure about that one as to which one's the home team's for those uh, games in Melbourne. Uh, the other news of that is that the Highlanders are taking a game to Nicargal, um, which is great to see uh, that uh, they are uh, doing that. Uh, so, um, ah, now, and I think I can get myself back on camera, I'm just not on the uh, my main camera. So there we go, you can see me here. Sometimes I'll be looking up in, a, in an odd direction, folks. Sorry, that's because my main camera has, um, has died. Um, but uh, there we go. I don't know why it's gone and done of that. Um, so, yeah, so cool to see that those ones are out. Also, that, uh, the piece that came out uh, during that was they are um, was more positive uh, sounding from the uh, heads of uh, Rugby Australia and uh, or from Rugby Australia and New, um, New Zealand Rugby about getting a deal done for the 2024 onwards because the current Super Rugby deal finishes next year. It's only a two year uh, deal. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, after that, uh, they haven't announced the Super Rugby Alpaki bit yet. I'm not sure when that'll come out. I'd expect that to come out post the Rugby World Cup, to be honest. Uh, that wouldn't, um, that, to me, that would be better 
timing for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so that's what's going on with the uh, Super Rugby. Good to see that it is, we've got those fixtures and there's more positive news. To be honest with you, on a launch date of fixtures for next year, is not the right time to be saying, oh, we're having really tough discussions and it might not happen. Um, so it's not surprising that they gave a positive spin to it when they announced the fixtures. May, uh, we don't read, I wouldn't read too much into that as to how well or how badly those discussions are going for post 2024, uh, to be honest. The other big news to come out is come, comes actually from the Northern Hemisphere, where the uh, their season has kicked off uh, with URC, the uh, Gallagher Premiership, and the uh, top 14 all uh, underway up there with a few rounds in already. Um, what uh, has been happening though in the U or in England is that a couple of the uh, teams, uh, a couple of clubs, are in financial difficulties, namely Wasps and Worcester Warriors. Worcester Warriors in such a, a bad state that players, that staff weren't paid on time. I think some of them might even be still have outstanding uh, debts. Don't uh, quote me on that one. I think, but I think still some payments might be outstanding. Uh, and they were told that, and they only could host their game that they had with uh, some of the staff working for free, uh, which shows what a mess Worcester Warriors um, are in. It's like a 15 million pound uh, loan from uh, the kind of the, the government's uh, sports survival package. So Worcester Warriors in a right old mess. They were told by the RFU that they had to come up with a credible plan around uh, paying <laughs> their staff uh, and being able to run their fixtures. Otherwise, they would get suspended from all competitions. And uh, so both their men's and women's teams, the men from the uh, Gallagher Premiership and the women from the Premier 15s, uh, have been suspended indefinitely. Uh, we're waiting what will happen from that. Uh, and uh, I believe they have gone into um, administration um, as well as the, uh, as the government has forced that. Uh, we'll see if that means now they can get taken over because one uh, group apparently was interested in taking over but only if it went, in, if it went into administration. So we'll have to see um, what has happened um, on uh, that one. Uh, it, is a, uh, it is a right old mess, and uh, currently they're on track to, well, either disappearing or being relegated, uh, which is an interesting one as uh, the Premiership is ring-fenced and doesn't have relegation um, and promotion at the moment. The other team that is in difficulty is Wasps, who moved from London up to Coventry a number of years ago, taking over... Uh, the stadium in Coventry and also all of the conference facilities and hotel, which is part of the reason that uh, um, that arguably some people were involved with the club was that they actually managed to get hold of those assets around the hotel and the conference centre. Sorry, just taking a drink there. Um, rather than necessarily being fully interested in the rugby club was some of the kind of rumours and uh, some of the uh, talk at the time. They, uh, they also are in financial difficulties and uh, have not been able to restructure or have problems around restructuring of their uh, loans to pay for the uh, well, the, the well, pay for the pay for the, the, the buying of bought, buying of those assets basically uh, and we'll have to see what uh, will happen with wasp but wasps also precarious and could end up also in administration uh, and potentially also relegated as well. Uh, interestingly, off um, the uh, back of all of that, um, the, uh, there apparently have been discussions between the Premiership and the Welsh Rugby Union um, around Wales providing two, two teams 
to go into the Premiership. Uh, so um, when Wales got four teams in the URC currently, how they would provide a team for the Premiership, provide two teams for the Premiership, uh, is mind-boggling uh, and um, a bit of a uh, well, a bit of a mess. Obviously, that is pure rumour, as far as I'm aware. I don't believe anyone's officially talked about that. Um, so at the moment, rugby club rugby in uh, England particularly uh, looks like a bit of a mess. You could suggest that uh, perhaps this is uh, a bit of uh, um, uh, sort of uh, uh, um, chickens coming home to roost on this, in that uh, only one club within the Gallagher Premiership has made a profit for a number of years, or regularly um, over the last, last years, being extra Chiefs, which is a members club. When you then realise that uh, the uh, once Tony Rowe has sold off his uh, telecoms company, um, that uh, the Chiefs could not find a, another big spending sponsor, so hence he put his new business park as a sponsor. Well, that business park is just a field um, at that time. So the you've uh, um, even next to Chiefs were, whilst they didn't have a, an owner, because the members club were definitely were, were basically being paid for or um, subsidised by a rich fan, um, effectively. Uh, and so uh, clearly this is, uh, when you put all those clubs running at losses um, most years, most if not every year, then uh, this something like this was bound to happen at some stage, yeah, you, um, uh, you, you, you might suggest. So uh, not nice for either Wasps or um, Blank or Worcester Warriors uh, employees and players uh, or their fans. It's not really their fault. It's the board. Uh, and the owners um, that are at fault for what's going on with these clubs uh, and other innocent people getting caught uh, basically in the outwash or the, um, uh, the results of this. So really sad for those people uh, and uh, you hope that uh, they can uh, uh, get that kind of sorted. Uh, Simon in the live chat says the Irish and New Zealand Central model is probably the best model that works for rugby in the professional era. Uh, well, there are arguments yes and yeah, for and against that um, because it's uh, how well it's working in New Zealand is uh, arguable at the moment. And there's a lot of us being pretty doom and gloom around uh, the New Zealand rugby's running of, uh, rug, of, of, of the sport in this country uh, and uh, how player numbers have dropped, how... Uh, People, uh, the number of attendees at games has dropped uh, consistently over the last sort of, 20 odd years. So, whilst uh, we haven't ended up in the uh, issue that uh, we've got now, uh, or the issue they've got now in um, uh, in England, uh, there are definitely issues. It's not to say that uh, rugby is in a massively positive state in New Zealand currently. Uh, either the national team or with the uh, player numbers as well. So uh, not all good um, uh, and hunky-dory in that point of view either, to be honest. Um, I'm hoping to talk to uh, one or more provincial CEOs uh, about how we're going to spend the Silver Lake money. So keep an eye out for uh, those uh, interviews coming up on the channel. I think it's probably going to be post-NPC, so another three or four weeks uh, before I can get those interviews, as those people are busy um, at the moment with the uh, with the NPC that is going on. So I think that catches us up on um, the key 
kind of bits of uh, news uh, so far. As I say, Stephen Harris hopefully uh, joining us soon when we'll, st- when we'll go through uh, the rugby championship games. But let's just catch up on some of the uh, the MPC action. Unfortunately, I didn't get to any of the games uh, these past this past week, so I've not got uh, any interviews for you. Uh, tomorrow, myself and uh, Stephen Harris will be at Bay of Plenty versus Northland. So don't worry, next week on the show, we will have inter- post-match interviews from those games for you as we head into the final round of games uh, before we hit, well, before the finals, obviously. Last week, what do we have? Well, the midweek game was Taranaki versus Counties Manukau. Uh, Taranaki getting a good win, 25 um, to 14 there. As Counties really have collapsed um, over the uh, last few rounds, losing to Taranaki and then at the weekend also losing to Southland, 30 to 26. That means that uh, Counties are currently on a, uh, I think it's three um, game uh, losing streak. After beating that, uh, after beating uh, Manawa 2, they played uh, Canterbury at home, one you'd expect them to lose, but then to lose to both Taranaki and Count Southland, two teams who haven't been going that well this season, um, sees Count Counties Manicau uh, slip totally out of um, uh, contention for the finals. So they can't reach the finals going to this last weekend uh, as a sudden 19 points, seven points behind Otago uh, and also Hawks Bay in that pool. So uh, a real, really disappointing for counties who were, had a pretty po- were having a positive season uh, up until these last couple of games. Massive win uh, for Southland, mind you, getting their first win of the season. Clearly, they're not in the contention for finals footy, but to have actually put a game, put get the other win together. Um, hopefully you've listened to our interview um, with um, the head coach of uh, uh, Southland, um, on uh, that one uh, and, and how they're basically struggling because of injuries. Uh, you'll understand, uh, it's really good to see them actually get that, uh, get that win on the uh, board. Now Manor 2 being the only team that hasn't had a win all season. Um, Simon makes a good point, folks. If you are thinking about going along to the game between um, Bay of Plenty uh, and Northland, uh, it is, well, he says it's a 4.30 kickoff. I'm pretty sure it's a 5 past 4 kickoff uh, because uh, Tauranga Domain does not have floodlights. And this is down to because the, so normally the evening games for Bay of Plenty are held over in Rotorua, but um, the uh, International Stadium over in Rotorua is having its uh, pitch relayed uh, and therefore all of uh, Bay of Plenty's games are in Tauranga, where I'll be seeing Stephen tomorrow. How are you doing, sir? You all, good evening, Paul. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. And good evening to all your uh, viewers on the uh, TDM. I mean, how slick was that bringing you in? I mean, bang, straight in there with seeing you tomorrow for the game. So, yes. Um, so, yeah, we've lined Stephen up with, uh, with the media pass as well as myself. So, we'll be all over those players and coaches like a rash um, getting post-match reactions from them tomorrow um, down there in Tower, folks. Um, other games then from the... Weekend on the MPC. Uh, I'll just bring people up to, up to speed on that one. Canterbury beat Auckland 38 to 20, um, meaning that um, Canterbury now have uh, guaranteed themselves top spot in the Evens pool and also the number one seeding uh, this year. Eight wins, one loss in Canterbury. Stephen, um, looking uh, like champions elect, uh, someone's going to have to go through them to get the uh, championship on Oh, very much so. They, listen, I think they're a really, really good 
all-round side, as Auckland found out on, on the weekend. And just um, unfortunately, everything they did was just that little bit quicker. The speed of ball was just a little bit quicker. And, and Auckland started the game pretty well, but just really didn't capitalise on their uh, on their opportunities. And, of course, a uh, little bit of ill-discipline as well. But Canterbury showing they're one of those teams, once they get on a roll, um, they really are a hard team to beat. And listen, once again, I think, first of all, you've really got to match them in the forwards, Paul. If you don't match them in the forwards, I think it's for any team, it's going to be a long day at the office. And quite frankly, in terms of teams to challenge them, I probably only really see maybe a, a full-strength uh, Tasman team, maybe by a plenty. It could be a little bit of a, a smoky in this uh, in NPC. And once again, Canterbury are also showing it really doesn't matter who they bring into their into their lineups as well, and I see they've got a they seem to have a factory of uh, uh, first fives at the minute. Uh, the young uh, first five Hartford only playing his second or third game for Canterbury out of Christchurch Boys High. Well, wasn't that a magnificent drop kick um, from the uh, line line dropout? I mean to say, fielded it just on halfway, walked it up to about the just outside the ten meter mark, and it just did not look like missing. And uh, yeah, quite frankly. You know, Auckland uh, were never in that game. Auckland now have lost three out of the last four games uh, and have slipped away out of, and uh, if you're not careful, uh, the well, one game to go there in the away section of the finals below North Harbour in that pool. So, uh, yeah, tough for now for, for, for Auckland. Things not going their way. Uh, poor run of form for them. A couple of teams are like that, to be honest. Uh, the team we're going to see tomorrow then, Hawks Bay, uh, sorry, Bay of Plenty beat Hawks Bay 20-14 meaning that they now are the Bay, again, uh, having won a battle of the Bays in that one. Bay of Plenty going well now, sat second behind Wellington with a game in hand. Uh, so they uh, are, uh, well, on track for finals footy and potentially even topping their pool. Um, Hawks Bay, mind you, are, that uh, leaves them uh, in a tight battle for the playoffs with Otago. Both of them on 26 points going into this last round as they fight out for the fourth place in that some um, uh well the fourth playoff place in that uh, that pool there uh tasman well um northland um your team stephen had been going well this season but 52 at 17 boy oh boy uh tasman did a job on northland who are now um suddenly on a bad run of form after beating auckland they've lost to canterbury north harbour and tasman so three losses on the bounce Really, again, another team that's pre uh, or earlier season good form, uh, but of uh, yeah, but struggling come the sharp end of the season. Yeah, for sure, Paul. Three second half meltdowns, obviously against Canterbury, North Harbour, and now against 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 Tasman. I mean, all three games they've started reasonably well, but I just suspect they're just taking a few knocks here and here and there, and they're just starting to dig a little bit into their. Depth, and I, I think that can can be seen where the uh, coaches had to roll out the same players. They've had to rest a few for um, tomorrow night. I know there's a, a change in the uh, change in the midfield. Kalani excited for Kalani going, who was the uh, standout club centre of Northern Club Rugby, coming in for his first start of the season. But I suppose the question that a lot of Tanifa supporters are asking: Where is Tom Robinson? Well, Tom Robinson still suffering from um, uh, concussion shall we say, and uh, pretty unlikely we're going to see him again this season, but uh, that must be concerning uh, f 
for um, a man who's um, you know he's been touted as a as an All Black, you know, or mentioned mentioned in dispatches. I personally think there's a bit of a roadblock there, but um, it just makes you wonder where to for his career now. Yeah, true. That's hopefully he gets over that. It's not the first concussion for him either, and not first long term concussion either. Um, but uh, we have a brand new guest, so I want to bring Joey in. How are you doing, sir? Oops. Hello, Paul. Oh, good to have you join us. Uh, this time, Joey, someone I've known um, from Hamilton and also uh, in uh, on, on the old uh, on the old Twitter, and it's his first uh, his first cap on uh, the uh, the driving mall show uh, with his. Uh, and, and don't believe that's his house behind him. That looks like a green screen to me. Uh, the way that it's, uh, the way the way that it's not quite fitting around him. So uh, technology there. <laughs> it looks like he's got uh, he's got a grand old house, but uh, no, 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 in in in, in, a, in a dingy basement, I think. How are you doing, Joey? Doing very well, thank you. Here in Hamilton, city of the future. Oh, the Tron. <laughs> um, let's just wrap up the uh, of the the rest of the MPC games quickly because then we want to get on to uh, the two internationals that we've had from the weekend. Uh, Wellington saw off Waikato in that Ranfilly Shield Challenge, so uh, defending the Shield and putting it away for the summer. Wellington, a team that uh, I basically uh, said had an up and down season, have, have come good. Now, having won their last um, five, six, well, w winning six on the bounce after losing to Northland back in August, whereas Hamil whereas Waikato, the team that hadn't, well, uh, had the longest unbeaten record, suddenly um, have then crashed now to both Otago and Wellington uh, in two weeks on the bounce, seeing them slip out of home uh, finals uh, content or home finals places. Um, so uh, two teams heading in the uh, different uh, directions uh, on um, that one. Uh, the next up, we had um, Manawa 2 losing to Otago, 35-54. Look, uh, Manawa 2's uh, struggling season continues, so no surprise there. Harbour um, saw off Taranaki, 35-19. Taranaki um, coming to the end of their storm week, um, so... Um, a good time for Harbour to uh, to meet them uh, and a good win there sees Harbour um, up into second place behind Canterbury in their pool. Um, and the final game was that Southland win over Canterbury Manukau, 30-26, to as I mentioned already. Um, any sort of uh, sort of quick thoughts from those games, um, boys, um, before I move on? Yeah, Paul, I'll get it just before Joey, but I just want to mention that Shield Challenge. I, I must admit, I... I thought Waikato would put in probably more of a bigger bigger challenge. I I thought that was probably that, that was almost one of those games where they didn't really fire a shot, and and unfortunately, nor did any of their big guns in in this particular game. And it just seemed like um like score wise, it always seemed like they they were in it or capable of something, but it just it didn't quite happen for Waikato at the end of the day. And um, just in terms of the rest of the results, I thought all. Oh, they all were pretty predictable bar that last result. Listen, really stoked for the Southland Stags. They've been close in a couple of games, especially earlier in the season, and that's a that's a lot of credit to Dale, Dale McLeod, who's picked a lot of guys out of club rugby, so it was good to see those guys get rewarded, and they had a few injuries as well, and I know that um, Dale's own son, Jack McLeod, started at uh, first five and, and did a 
made a pretty good fist of the first five and a pretty impressive win, win when you actually think that they um, also got a red card during the game, a 20-minute red card, came back and, and won that game. But, yeah, just probably the one that just disappointed me, and I know Joey might want to touch on it as well, being a man down there in the Tron. Um, yeah, just disappointed with that Waikato effort. I just really thought they would have thrown a little bit more at the uh, Wellington Lions. Yeah, it was much of the same, Stephen. You know, Waikato I was expecting and kind of quietly hoping that they'd come away with the result and bring that shield back up th these ways. Um, I noticed that there was a tweet there about the fake Hawks and there's only one bay. be interesting <laughs> to know what the majority of the um, listeners <laughs> also think is the the actual bay of those two. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's a... It's a tough one. Even like a team like Counties to go down there and play against, it was a Southern, um, and not come away with the, the result is um, must be disheartening for them to go all that way. And because I know what it was like when uh, we played for Northland and went down there, it was uh, the top of the the top of the country, playing against the bottom of the country, and uh, we know that feeling. But um, yeah, like you said, nice to see that. Uh, Actually, that Wellington actually put on a, a performance and, you know, came away with the win. And this is a bit of history in the making again for them. Uh, it's been a long time between drinks for those for those guys to lift it, lift the Ramfrey Shield. Uh, don't even know when the last time was. When was it, uh, Paul? Do you know? Oh, well, uh, Mr. Google will tell me in a second. Um, on, uh, I think it's about 2000. Are we talking about Wellington, if we are, about... 2007, they took it off Auckland, I think it was. Fair yeah, enough. That's if we're talking about... Uh, it's like 15 up. years, isn't it? 14, yeah. 15 years. Yeah, 15 years yeah. between drinks. <laughs> so, um, no, it was it was nice to see a result like that for those guys, especially with uh, Duplessis um, leading them. I think he, if he sticks around, he may be due some higher honours if he sorts out those parts of his game that maybe he's had a talking to from from the coaching staff of the ABs. The, uh, yeah, it's the... Um, Wellington had 11... Um, when it had it 11 times, only 40 successful defences, which uh, uh, is less than teams like uh, Taranaki and Hawke's Bay. Um, so you'd, you'd think for a, a big province like Wellington, they would have a, a perhaps a stronger... Um, that's what I'm looking for uh, history in the Ramphilly Shield, but so uh, yeah, it looks like not one of they're not one of the uh, they're, 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 they're probably, that doesn't get it as often as you'd as perhaps you might think uh, they would. And not so much, yes, there's two disjointed efforts by Waikato in a row, running out of steam. Um, the yeah, look, they're a pretty chaotic um style attack style that works when it works, it works really, really well. Uh, when it doesn't, uh, perhaps lacks the structure that some of the other teams have, uh, and uh, the Perhaps their all-out attack isn't uh, well. When 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 they get shut down, they get shut down badly. Unfortunately, on on, on that one. On oh, my word, I go from having a show on my own now to being uh, swamped with guests with John. Uh, now, uh, what we'll have to do, folks, is uh, is is tell John that we're not talking about South Africa for another twenty minutes. Uh, then he'll probably disappear and come back again. But um, so uh, so don't worry, we'll get on to it, John. Um, but so, uh, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thank you, gentlemen. How are you all? We're very good. Um, good. Good, thanks, John. So that kind of wraps up our NPC side of things. I just want to go on to some questions we've had 
from Twitter, um, and uh, and then we'll uh, get on to the internationals and rugby championship games. Uh, first up, we had one uh, asking about my thoughts on Worcester Warriors, and I think I've already said that during the news section. So, folks, if you've joined us now, listen to the recording, wind back onto that one, and I'll and I'll talk you through those. But some some questions from Twitter. Mr. Rugby um, says, is rugby doomed from poor officiating, or is it just as Aussies having a whinge? Um, would we still be whinging if we were back to number one or two in the world? Uh, look, uh, the, the state of the game at the moment is, number one, first off, Australia's not the only ones that like to whinge. Um, the South Africans are very good at it too. Uh, the, um, and a few other nations as well. In fact, it seems to be every rugby fan seems to find uh, a, a way about complaining or every, every, every uh, about the referee. The referee seems to be the majority of the conversation on Twitter during a game, which is a real sad place to be. Uh, and the, the fact that our game has gone into that that, that area um, is is a problem. Is that poor officiating? Is that poor? Uh, is is that how the players are playing, or um, is that uh, the law books being set up incorrectly? Uh, I'm not sure which answer of, of, of those three it is, but uh, it is a problem for the game, and it is causing um, def- definitely switching off a lot of people. John, as Adrian knew, I'll be the first first vice chair on that one. Uh, thank you. Um, I think that there's a couple of things that we need to differentiate in this argument. One is, and I'm sorry to say this for all our Australian listeners and viewers, that there is a difference between a referee making a poor decision, which is out of your hands, and putting you and your team in a situation because you do not listen to them. And Australia, as much as they can jump up and down as a, a crew and as as a team and as a squad and as the broadcasters and say this has never been done before, they had been warned as a team again and again and again and again to get on with it and didn't listen. So that situation could have been completely avoided if they had listened to the referee. So they put themselves in a situation where they could be affected by not following instructions. So from that perspective, you almost need to take, and it it was very interesting to me to see that um, the referees recently retired in the last two years um, who refereed the last World Cup final, um, everyone's favorite referee, the Welshman. What was his name? Come on, Paul, help me out here. Um, Nigel. Nigel, yes, whatever his surname is, that one. He, um, in his post, um, and I respect him a lot as a referee, he said, in his opinion, the decision was 100% correct. So agree with it as a precedent or not, Australia put themselves in that position. The issue that we are having that is so bad about refereeing is point number two, that although mistakes are are human and referees will always make them because they cannot see everything. And I learned this recently because I've been refereeing some games and filling in as a ref. And and there are times where I'm unsighted and people say, how can you not see that? There's a player standing right in front of me. I couldn't see it. The real problem that we have is on replay with time and with clear visual evidence the the video ref, the TMO, is making mistakes. And that is the part where I think we've got a major problem. Because if you can't get it right on replay 
and everyone can see it, then there's a serious judgment issue that's, that's at fault here. Um, yeah, obviously, you got to, the, the TMO needs to, we need, we need improvement TMO. When people at home can see something a TMO can't, yeah, you do wonder what's going on. Very true. Uh, Joey, thoughts on uh, on refs? Um, my thoughts that have always been uh, since the beginning of, say, the third match official has been, sure, you can have a third match, third match official to... Um, to lean on if you're not quite sure. But relying on it too much, I think, has kind of spoiled certain moments in rugby history where you expect, you know, a big finish to, uh, you know, somebody's scored a try. It's obvious to the crowd. It's obvious to us at home watching on, on TV. But to the ref on the field, he may not have seen it or seen enough of it or even his, his powers on the side to give a proper uh, call on whether or not, you know, it was legitimate. That going upstairs in those moments, yeah, maybe maybe it's, it's it's something that's needed. But I have seen moments where I really felt as a fan watching TV, I wish the, the, the ref at the time had just backed himself and made a call in the moment. Um, obviously, he has to see enough of it to, to make a call. But um, I feel that a lot of refs are just mitigating their risk by going upstairs every single time rather than once in a while backing themselves with a call. Mm. Uh, to, to me, I think the problem there is you're then you're, you're asking for consistency and you're asking for a feel of the game and somehow I don't think you can have either. You're getting it one or the mm. other. Uh, it's a problem there. Mm. Um, Stephen, do you want to shut on this one before I uh, go to my next question? Oh no, I think I think pretty much agree with both John and and Joey. I suppose the only thing I really want to say, I think for Dave Rennie's sake, his team's got a they've definitely got a discipline problem mm -hmm. at the minute. They they started listen, the way they started was was brilliant. You know, unfortunately Holloway started fantastically with a with a really good break. He busted a tackle early, got over the advantage line, and then within within a minute he was given a yellow card for a for a lifting tackle, which almost you know. It was only not far away from being a red as well. And, and that's a real issue for mm. the Wallabies at the moment. Listen, I love their intent. I love the fact that they're, that they're physical and they were trying to get in the, get in the faces of, um, of, the, um, of the All Blacks. In fact, I think they tried the same tactic with the Springboks as, as well, but got a little bit of a slapping, especially in that second, second test. But, um, yeah, I think that's something that uh, Rennie has to go away and, and, and figure out. Hmm. Well, we'll be coming back to this because 29, 29 penalties and two yellows in the uh, Bledisloe Cup um, pales into comparison to the uh, 38 and six yellows in the uh, South, South Africa uh, Pumas game. So, yes, boy, oh boy, no doubt we'll be talking about this more later when we get on to the games. Next up, Joey, this is your question. How does RTS get any, uh, a start uh, ever, even after Geordie's great showing at second 5-8? Um, against an above-average Wallaby side. Well, nice of you there to say above-average Wallaby side. I'm sure they're not sure everyone would um, um, agree with you on that one. But uh, that's I why I put that emoticon there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the uh, yeah, an injury-ravaged uh, Wallaby side is perhaps quite quite true. Uh, personally, I, I think RTS has come over unfortunately a year too late uh, to get up to speed. Uh, you think about Samuel Williams had two years in France before he came back to. 
New Zealand uh, to get himself up to speed. Uh, and then if you think you've also, and then he's also had COVID wipe out the the uh, MPC season for him last year. I just think he's had enough 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 rugby in him to prove his worth and, and get into the side. But Stephen, you're uh, a man from Auckland who uh, uh, gets to see him. So what do you think? Boy, it's it's a bit like a traffic jam after after Saturday, isn't it, fellas? Um, Jordy Barrett really played so well. In fact, that was a pretty impressive. Um, outing in that in that 12 jersey we shouldn't forget that he's played a little bit there for the hurricanes but he also played new zealand under 20s in that 12 jersey so it's not foreign to him unfortunately for rts i don't the selectors have shown that they just don't have enough trust in him and i i think the only way that he could possibly make this all black team is maybe a positional switch out to the out to the wing at the moment because I, I kind of look at our wings and uh yet we may be we probably have a, a couple that are that are probably in place, but I still think some of those wing positions are open and that, that might be his only chance of getting in this uh, Rugby World Cup team. The Well, yeah, well, I'm not sure. It's, I'm, to me, I'm not sure it's a winger, but the yeah, separate conversation is, uh, uh, is, is Jordy Barrett, oh, sorry, it's not, so is um, Will Jordan only the third best uh, fullback in the country now uh, as he can't seem to get that 15 jersey. But anyway, uh, John, your thoughts on RTS? Well, I think... If he wants to get into the position, get into the All Blacks, he's got to get better. It's as plain and simple as that. He's not, at the moment, a one of the top backs in any of the positions. And so that rests on him. You know, um, the All Blacks, more than any other team in the world, is about excellence. And if he wants to get in the team, he's got to be the most excellent. And so it rests on him to go and work, go away and work on his fundamental skills and find out from the coaches whatever position he's going for, what it is that he needs to work on to be the best at that position and then go and work on it. He comes from a, from a, a professional sports. He knows about the, um, the requirements of being a professional, although to be fair, probably the environment – at the Warriors is not the most professional and encouraging of excellence, right? Um, but yeah, that's it's really up to him. He needs to go away and and put the work in to make himself the best in New Zealand at whatever position he's going for. So, Joe, you've heard the answers. Do you think he should be? Uh, do, do you think he needs to change position, or do you think he just needs to get better? Well, yeah, look, I, I, I agree. I don't I think. So, oh, sorry, I thought you said you were posing that question to me, mate. Sorry. And I was talking back to, back to Joey as he asked the original question on, on Twitter. Yeah, look, I uh, totally agree with, um, you know, the, the answers that have been you know, given by the, the lads here. Um, I also believe that RTS, if he was to be um, a second 5-8, for instance, obviously it would have to take an injury to Geordie or, you know, uh, a real change again for Geordie to go back to the fullback or whatever, whatever the coaches decide. Um, but I think that RTS would need a solid game, say a good 60 minutes in that second 5A position against a quality side to really see whether or not he has a future in that jersey at the All Blacks. Um, I think it's a, it's a bit soon for someone who has been touted as a second 5'8 to be pushed out onto the wing. We all know he's got a skill set that 
can suit a winger or a fullback, but I think it's uh, it's going to come down to he just needs to bide his time, keep working hard in the background, and keep seeing if he gets selected each week. He may not in the next test, um, whenever that may be. Is there any November tests this, this year? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, there's so there's, there's not only a full November test, but we've also got a uh, they've got uh, they're going to stop off in Japan for a game, okay, the kind of place where he gets uh, get, gets to run out, um, yeah. before, they, before they play Wales, um, yeah, Scotland, uh, and uh, England. Now, I know uh, Stephen is is worried about those uh, Wales and Scotland games, and I think he'd be suggesting using the experimental lineup for those games. So, uh, Japan looks like the main one. That uh, where yeah. we might give him a go, but when you're talking about injuries, you're already talking about uh, Jack Goodhue, Antonio Brown, and Quintapire. We're talking three choices. You bring Geordie in, his fourth choice in that jersey, so that puts yeah. him down at the best fifth choice for the 12th yeah. jersey, which is a is 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 is, is very deep. I, I was I was going to say, Paul, sorry to interrupt, fellas, that he's if he's given the start at 12 for the Blues, and if you consider that. Uh, a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, probably, I would imagine, Quinty Pye is probably going to be up for for a good part of Super Rugby, we don't know what sort of shape Jack Goodhue is going to come back. Boy, if he goes out and has a really really good uh, Super season, you know he might he he might put the um, put Foster and the selectors in an, in a difficult situation where he's actually got a got a got to be picked. And uh, you know maybe the fact that uh, you know Jack Jack Goodhue's probably got a little bit to prove coming coming back from injury. In fact, I think all these guys coming back from injury. Hmm. Are going to have going to have a bit, bit to basically uh, improve on or show the selectors that they're up to speed. Yeah, yeah Jack, you know, in Jack's next season, whereas I think Antelope Brown is should be on the November tour. So uh, look, the the and we, we we haven't heard yet. I don't think how long Quintapie is going to be out with that horrific uh, hmm. uh, his knee. Look, so, I, I just want to add as a final thought to this is that first of all, um, he made a mistake by going to the Blues. If you wanted to get into the All Blacks and you want to develop your game, and you've been out of the the out of rugby union for that long, the best place to go is the Crusaders, and that's what uh, Sonny Bull Williams did. Uh, coming from France, is he went to the Crusaders and he played outside of Dan Carter in that environment, and yeah. and New Zealand, the whole of New Zealand rugby benefited for it. And the other thing is, I, I think it's not the ethos of 
all black rugby to say let me change positions to try and get in because i'm only the fifth best in this position none of those five that you or the four in front of him that you named would start an all black test ahead of mar nonu or sunny bull williams right so and so basically you're saying he's in the uh seventh position if you consider who's played there in the last uh six or seven years and if you if you can't improve with your skills to do you deserve to be an all black just shifting position i i don't know uh, i think that i think we just maybe expecting because he was so good at league we expecting him just like you said paul to be at international level a little too soon you've got to give him a bit more time give him a bit more uh, time at the blues or playing at super rugby level to get up to speed hmm. I think even he was shocked that he got selected as soon as he did. Um, but also, totally agree with you, John, that um, Crusaders is basically where you want to go as a league convert back to, to Union if you want to become an All Black like SBW did. And mm. unfortunately for Rog, because he'd been away throughout COVID with the Warriors and based in Australia, you know, I bet his decision was largely, was largely due to the fact that he wasn't with family and all his family are in Auckland, even his immediate family. So I guess that was probably the reason why he went with the Blues in the end mm. to to a super rugby detriment, I guess, if you want to mm. you know, talk about the Crusaders winning the bloody thing. Um, mm. But also, you know, it's, it's uh, one of those things where he just has to, if he really wants a chance or if he wants any further opportunities in the All Blacks jersey, he's got to tick all those boxes for the coaches, for himself, mm. for everybody um, mm. in the background and keep working hard and keep taking whatever opportunities he gets mm. and try and show his skill set in whatever jersey he, get, he gets given. Uh, but, yeah, I I totally see where, say, uh, Jack Goodhue, a fully fit Jack Goodhue could come back and take ownership of their jersey once more like he did previous years uh, mm. to player. Unfortunately for him, like you said, Stephen, he's probably looking at a majority of the Super Rugby season out. And mm. in World Cup year, that's probably not going to do him any favours. Then you've mm-hmm. got Anton Leonard-Brown, who I don't know when he's due to come back, but we all mm-hmm. know how good he is in, in the All Black jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got all those players in front of him. And, mm. I've, and I'm sure he's done the math. I'm sure he's done or the you know the mapping out of what his journey could look like and what opportunities he needs to get in order to cement himself a spot in that squad next year for the World Cup, if that's what he's looking at. And if that's what's, what the uh, coaches are potentially looking at, they need to test him. They need to throw him in the deep end somewhere uh, in one of these games this side of the new year because that's the only real way they're going to see whether or not they're going to include him in that squad next year. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that one. As I say, Japan looks like his best opportunity to, to nail it. But again, against a, a Tier 2 nation, how uh, how meaningful is that performance in the end? We'll have to wait and see mm. on uh, on that one. Personally, yeah, I think he's probably left it too late. We're not going to see him come through. Let's uh, move on then and talk about the games from the weekend as we've uh, kind of overrun massively if we give either of these games the uh, the amount of time they deserve. So unfortunately, 
we are going to run through these very, very quickly. One of the things I like to, well, one of the few pieces of uh, mainstream media I do like to look at is the uh, Aaron Gooley's, um, uh, Goyle's, sorry, not Gooley, gee, is well, I mean, that's got too so much at school. Sorry, Aaron. Oh, Aaron you've got Gooley's on the brain. Um, maybe <laughs> I do. Um, Aaron Goyle there. Uh, he, does, he does a by the numbers thing after each, uh, after these games. And I do find them uh, kind of interesting and fun. So that's that now. 48 games on the bounce that uh, the All Blacks haven't lost at Eden Park. It does include two draws, uh, to be fair, going back to 1994, which is absolutely nuts uh, on that Amazing. one. A talking Amazing. point when it comes to the, 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 the what do you call it, the uh, the fallout of this game, Dave Rennie's winning win percentage with Australia down to 38%. That's a very low number. And there has been a number of people questioning that mm. uh, in his whether he should stay on. Uh, just run through a few more numbers then um, on this one. Uh, Sa uh, Sam Whitelock and Brody Retallick have now started 63 games for the All Blacks, equaling Victor Matfield and Bakis Botha's record, world record mm. of uh, starts uh, for international uh, locks. So congratulations mm. to them. That's a uh, that, that that's uh, two sets of very, very good locks, uh, let's uh, be honest. Also, Sam Whitelock has matched um, Richard McCaw's record for starts. Uh, is it starts or his caps? Uh, maybe it's caps, actually. Um, with uh, 30, his 34th Belenderslow Cup appearance. So Richard McCaw uh, and Sam Whitelock now lead that list, um, which... Um, I thought was a uh, was, was was another impressive one. So uh, yeah, Sam Whitelock breaking records uh, there, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean showing, I guess his longevity uh, at playing at the top level uh, has been uh, fantastic to be able to break those uh, those kind of records. But um, what uh, so what how did this game go then? Very quickly, the All Blacks went out to a seventeen 0 lead in the first half. Uh, the Wallabies failing to execute probably should have put some points on the board including uh, Corey Betty's um, foot um, on the, uh, the the line there. Um, Jordan, 21 tries from 21 tests in that, when he scored his try in that first half. That is a remarkable record um, from him. And that was a wonderful try that he scored. With the All Blacks scoring first in the second half, essentially, for my mind, that um, puts uh, the game to bed. Um, and it was all over at that point at 24-0. Yeah, and all of these did get a couple of uh, consolation tries late on to so it finished 40 to 17 a comfortable victory for the all blacks uh, and uh, putting them in a position to go on to win the rugby championship so surely uh steve i'm gonna let you have your first hot takes or your first um thoughts main sort of hot uh, main thoughts from the uh, the game on this one um, but surely uh mr foster's putting himself in a, in a fantastic position being a bledisloe uh, cup fan <laughs> Rugby Championship uh, winning coach, um, and uh, since he's brought um, Ryan, uh, is it Ryan? I think it's Ryan uh, and um, Joe Schmidt into his coaching setup. Boy, it's the perfect ticket to uh, to take them through to the uh, Rugby World Cup. Everything's rosy. Yeah, hang on, I'm just choking on my humble pie here. <laughs> just, um, yeah, listen, 
probably it was a very impressive performance from the All Blacks. It was actually similar to that second test against the Pumas where, you know, something we haven't always got from the All Blacks in the last couple of years, and you put that down to the, you've got to put that down to the opposition as, as, as well. But, you know, that was close to a, a, a complete performance that they put on and unfortunately was made very easy by an, an Australian team that were just so ill-disciplined and, you know, were constantly on the on the back foot, especially, um, you know, it's, it's not often this year that we've given a lot of praise to the All Black uh, uh, Type 5, but also I thought the loose forward trio, I thought collectively, as a collective, that's the best this trio have actually uh, have looked this year. They looked like they were actually working in, 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 in tandem, but... Um, Listen, at the end of the day, for, for me, and it's a good win, but I, I don't think we'll get a real handle on where this all-black team is until they hit the northern northern hemisphere. Australians, for me, were just a little bit disappointed, but I will. I know listening to Jerry, uh, Jeremy Paul yesterday on SENZ, I actually rang him up and basically said to him, listen, we, if you, in a perfect world, <clears throat> if you could pick your best Australian team, uh, what would it be? And let me tell you, it looked nothing like the team that they actually had on the paddock on on the weekend. No doubt they've got some world-class players, and I've been really impressed with Rob. Rob Valentini has been very good. I think Pete Samu has been really good since he's um, been given that opening start ahead of uh, ahead of, uh, of of Michael Hooper. But, boy, they, they just miss a little. No doubt they've actually got some attack, but they've got to get that discipline sorted mm. out if they're to go anywhere. Um but you know your question with regards to the All Blacks, yeah, it, it, it's definitely it was definitely a about a seven and a half, eight out of ten performance from the Blacks. So happy happy with the performance, but um, tempered with uh, some reality uh, as, as, as to where this performance stands. It sounds like from mm. from Stephen, uh, Joey, your what what, uh, what what your thoughts from from this key, key takeaways or key thoughts from this game. Joey's done the same sort of thing that uh, trick that uh, Stephen normally does, which is leaves. Oh, he has. He's, he's, he's hit the unmute. <laughs> so are you talking about the Aussie Wall Wallabies, the Wallabies All Blacks game, eh? Well, yeah, Wallabies All Blacks game. What, what, what are your key key thoughts or key key takeaways from that game? Uh, I think like one of the um, to one of the audience there was talking about defense was the main thing that I took away from it being a bit of a saving grace for, for the All Blacks to create that platform and, you know, get that, uh, I guess, that go-forward momentum um, and keep it. You know, that that lead was held for, what, a good 60 minutes before Aussie then to, decided to come and play um, and scored a couple of tries. So it was unfortunate for me as a fan of the All Blacks to see them let Aussie get to double digits. I, I would have hoped that they would stay on seven uh, or even nil. But um, I suppose that's that's the game of rugby for you, and that's you know the Aussie spirit. They always seem to make these comebacks out of uh, out of nowhere in short amount of time. And luckily, I think for the All Blacks, it wasn't another twenty minutes on the on the clock where the Aussies could have you know probably snuck in a couple more tries in the game would have been really interesting. Um, yeah, I think um, Lomax, yeah, I agree with nocturnal rights. Lomax has really come on this year. Um, I also think um, 
De Groot, Ethan De Groot has, has come on as well. Um, I'm really enjoying some of the banter that he's starting to put out there that's that's showing up on the mic. Um, as a front row, former front row myself, uh, I think my, I guess my my preference for hooker is Tokayaho. Um, I really enjoy his abrasive uh, crash and bash type of style. He seems to love the, the contact and the collision, which is what I enjoy watching as a fan as well. So, um, and it seems to be working for him. You know, it seems to be working for him, especially when it comes to, you know, those uh, broken plays where he ends up in the back line and uh, manages to get himself a meat pie. Um, those rolling malls, I think, are still underutilized by the All Blacks. The South Africans are really good at it when they do put it on and they seem to get a lot of meterage from it. Why not, why not the All Blacks, you know? All Blacks, I think they need to have a bit more, I guess, faith that these rolling malls that they put on do work when they when they do get a roll on. Um, a couple of your comments in there about the about the coming to play and the defence. Um, the a uh, show up in the stats. So turnovers con conceded eight yeah. by, the, by the All Blacks, fifteen by the Wallabies. Yeah, but they yeah. They, they they broke down too often from a defensive yeah. point of view. The uh, the the All Blacks made 92% of their tackles. When 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 the team's making above 90, they're hard to break down. 82% by the Aussie by the Wallabies. So yeah, again, that's yeah. probably one of the big differences between these two teams. John's dropped out, but he's come back again. Uh, John, your quick um, your, your your quick takeaways from this before we move on to the Terrell Lomax, Ethan De Groot, looked like beasts. Looked like a potential long-term solutions, especially for the World Cup, which is more medium term. Uh, uh, Jordy Barrett at twelve looked like a real goer there, and I like something that Stephen posted uh, after the game that his first choice backline would be uh, Jordy at twelve, Anton Leonard Brown at thirteen, move. Um, Rico so, uh, move. Uh, what's his name? Rico uh, number thirty. What's it? Rico out onto the wing. Yes, move Rico out onto the wing. Keep Will Jordan, and then have Bowden Barrett at fifteen, and possibly Damian McKenzie back on the bench. And so you have a lot of flexibility there. A lot of players that can cover multiple positions. And if necessary, I know it's not the way New Zealand normally does it, but you can go then with a two-player on the bench, two backline players on the bench, if it's something that you're looking at countering like a big South African pack with and their bomb squad. So it, it, it opens a lot of options for you that way because a lot of the players can cover multiple positions. I, I like that. And then um, just the, the tight five, as exemplified by De Groot and Lomax, really put it to the Aussies. And my final thought from the Aussies is that uh, there are some serious concerns for me about the way Dave Rennie coaches. Uh, and it goes beyond his 38% win record. It goes to the behavior of his team. They are committing some exceedingly poor uh, personal fouls, uh, um, acts of dirty play, things that in rugby circles are just totally offside. 
the way that um, they have brought about injuries like uh, Quintupaya's injury that was just a complete grub-like move. And what concerns me, and, and Steve raised it about the, a couple of times already, about their discipline. Discipline is a cultural issue in an organization when it comes to uh, playing rugby. And, and if you're continually losing discipline, it's a cultural issue. And that is purely the coaches are responsible for that. Yeah, no, understood where, where, where you come from that one. You yourself and, uh, and Boa in our private chat, uh, both uh, are unhappy with, uh, with, with, with particularly with uh, sort of some of that coaching thing. Uh, I think on the win record, well, my mistake, I think that the All Blacks seem to have been forced into perhaps their best selection for injury, um, particularly around those props and also Geordie into 12. Uh, Geordie in 12 is one of the things I've been wanting, uh, that, that, that I've been advocating uh, during during the season. I think it's the kind of size of body. Uh, he yeah. has kicked the game, the passing game, the running game uh, that, that you want in there, uh, in, in that game. Yes, is is, is he Ma'anonu? No, he's not. Uh, but he is, he's got a similar sort of size, or perhaps he's not quite, he's not quite as powerful, but he's got a more uh, educated kicking game, uh, than, especially when he started anyway. Uh, so I think he'd be, a, a, I think that they've sort of been forced into good selections. From a Dave Rennie point of view, look, I wouldn't worry too much about the win record because of the vast number of injuries they've had uh, has been crazy. Now, whether you blame that on coaching and, and also uh, strength, and, uh, strength and conditioning and so, say, hey, that's part of the coaching thing that's causing those injuries. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, yeah. for me, he's had what, far too many injuries for you to worry too much about the win record yeah. uh, per se. So I think, yeah. I think he's still the right guy there. There's done some very good cultural things um, in there. I understand the, the concerns around the uh, style of injuries they've created in, uh, uh, and, and style it through some of their, their, their clear out record, um, particularly by uh, Mr. Swain. Uh, who, um, uh, yeah, has had a uh, rather lucky... And, and I guess, actually, should we be surprised that players are cheating when we see the unions at the top, the management, also looking to circumvent rules as best they can by sending Darcy Swain on the A-Tour? We know he probably would not have gone on that if it wasn't just to try and wipe out games like suspension. Is this a go at the... Uh, some, uh, rugby Australian rugby? No, it's not. Uh, look, New Zealand rugby have used the game with three halves before, and at the time, um, I said that should not be included in a suspension. That is a uh, that, that 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 that's wrong. Um, so I'm not I'm not saying that rugby Australia, um, sorry, that Australian rugby is the only one that does this. I'm saying that all unions at that level, if they see a uh, a, a way of adding an extra game in to a player suspension to get him back quicker. They'll do it. Is that in the spirit of the game or the laws? No, it's not. If they're cheap, if, if they're looking at circumventing the laws, we probably shouldn't be surprised that the players are, or the coaches are, and the players are as well. And it's an endemic thing from top to bottom. The laws are there to be broken, not to be followed. The thing that concerns me, Paul, is that when Darcy Swain's uh, actions became clear on the replay and Rennie was asked about it post-match, he didn't. He he actually came out and defended Darcy Swain. That was the time, as the coach, maybe you don't throw your player under the bus, where you go, you just keep your mouth shut. Because anybody 
who's been involved in rugby and anybody who is a rugby man would know that that particular action among rugby players is considered as about as bad a thing as you can possibly do. And you can ruin a player's career by doing that. You could end his career by doing that. And every player is at some time or another in that kind of compromised position where you are held in some way or your limb is exposed in some way. And if a player comes in and wants to break your limb, all of us, no matter how strong you are, because of the way rugby is played, is in that kind of position at some time. Right? So among the certain things that you know as a rugby player that are completely unacceptable are kicking in the head, rucking the face, and doing what Darcy Swain did. That is way worse, way worse than throwing a punch, right? Punches, punches arise from nickel, from people playing uh, a little bit dirty, a little bit of pulling on jerseys, frustrations, whatever, all considered part of the game. If you cop a punch because you were causing trouble, ah, it's what happens. What Swain did is completely unacceptable in the rugby environment. And he had the audacity, that concerns me, Dave Rennie, is to come out and defend him. What he should have done is just said, listen – yeah, that's not how we like to play the game. We'd like to just move on from this and 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 we learn that, that that's not okay. And just not roll him under the bus, but also be a little non-committal. No, you'd be much more non-committal than that. So I, I didn't see I didn't see it. I'll have to review it later. Is how you is how you is how you avoid the conversation. Um, but yes, I understand where you're coming from. Um the only, the only other thing I can add into there is, is the king hit. Um, is that there's a difference between hitting someone when you're face to face and hitting someone from behind? Uh, they're not expecting it. But again, that one I would say is uh, goes goes along with that. So in that category of stuff, you don't do uh, hitting someone from from from, from the back. Paul, Paul, I was going to say, Rugby Australia, as an organisation, have also let themselves selves down because they haven't accepted the punishment because they've decided we'll pick him in an Australian B team, knowing that. He would probably never play for that particular team anyway, just to try and knock out three games out of the six six games that he was that was handed down as well. And it comes back to what I think John may have originally said about culturally as an organisation that once again speaks to their culture as well that they actually haven't accepted what Darcy Swain did. And listen, we'll basically do anything, whatever it takes, to get him back on the field. I think if you wanted to send a message out. I think you probably would have brought out your own suspension as well on top of the six weeks that he that he actually got. If if the boot was on the other shoe, we would hear all about it. And I, I think the fact even that they that they basically rallied World Rugby on that final decision as well. And that's another conversation for another day where World Rugby didn't even basically I actually thought they threw Raynell under the bus. Um World Rugby and they gave Australian rugby the opportunity to actually uh, to question that decision that was made, which was right within the rules. So maybe there is a cultural issue across Australia rugby altogether. Well, look, I, I mean, I'll, I'll disagree with you about this this one because I, the, the All Blacks have used a, a game of three halves to reduce to, to reduce to get a player back quicker as, as well. So yeah. I think that, that's 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 a endemic yeah. across all of the unions. The uh, adding an extra punishment on top, uh, I think, is extremely rare unless we're talking drugs or. Um, yeah. Or something off the pitch. I don't think we. I, don't, I can't remember a time on the pitch where any union has ever added an extra 
uh, mm. punishment on top. I think both of those are a little bit unfair to, to expect rugby Australia, rugby Australia, Australian rugby to do anything different than, than, than they have done. Uh, um, as far as world rugby throwing under referees and the dust, well, let's be honest, they've got a bit of, of history on this, haven't they? The Rugby World Cup, not that long ago in, in England, um, they did the exact same thing to a referee as well, um, which is wrong. Look, mm. unions are allowed to question, and there has to be a, a an avenue to question uh, decisions, um, but mm. uh, yeah, world rugby got the wrong answer there. The answer should have been, you, your player, put the referee in a situation where he had to make that call. It was his fault mm. at the end of the day. Mm. Um, on that one, mm. um, is there a is is, is is now is is there a culture issue around teaching or suggesting to, to players that that's the kind of clean act you should do? Absolutely, that that piece I, I'm, I'm fine. I, I can agree with. But a culture issue around trying to reduce penalties. Uh, I'm sorry, that, that, that's what all unions, I think, personally mm. try to do. Whether it's right or whether it's morally right, um, no, I don't think it is. But I think mm. unfortunately, morals don't seem to get in the way of this. Uh, it's uh, it's letter of the law rather than rather than sending the right messages. Even though mm. we expect players to be paradigms of virtue and role models, for some mm. reason uh, the unions don't think they should be role models uh, in that kind of same kind of way. It's uh, it's double standards that we've seen uh, probably across a number of sports, not just this one. Yeah. Listen, but, uh, this is the downside about clear, clearing up rugby. The downside about clearing up rugby is that. Darcy Swain would have been sorted in the old days. But there's no question. The next time he plays the All Blacks, Darcy Swain would have would have been carried from the field, right? Because he would have been knocked out cold, right? And and the players would have dealt with it. Now you can't do that these days. But the upshot of it is is if Quintupaya's uh, career is affected, I would 100 percent say to him he should sue Swain, 100% for loss of earnings, right? And that is what's going to come if rugby does not take action uh, on these kind of things, you know? Um, yeah, action, that's we, we can get change, unfortunately. Uh, the fact that it happened in, New Z in, Austra uh, in Australia rather than New Zealand means he's actually probably got a leg to stand on. Unfortunately, New Zealand law um, with things like uh, the ACC probably would mean that uh, it wouldn't, he wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to. But anyway... That's another issue, um, and let's move on to the uh, the Springboks um, up against uh, the Pumas. Look, I must have not watched all this game. I watched through until early in the second half. In that first half, though, um, uh, it's uh, it finished um, seventeen seven at half time. But the Springboks chasing a bonus point and also needing to get a big points difference for the rugby championship. Uh, you've got to say that uh, the only time they got their tries were when Argentina had picked up the yellow cards. Uh, and uh, you'd, uh, that had to be a bit concerning for the Springboks, in, not in so much the win, but in as could they get enough of the score to overhaul the All Blacks' points difference uh, in the end. Um, they uh, they didn't do that. Argentina got themselves back into the game early in the second half, getting it 17-12. Um, but four yellow cards in the second half. Oh, my God. Um, and... Uh, as I say, 38 penalties in this game. Now, look, we can complain about referees, but at the end of the day, if the players, uh, it's the players who do things that the referees blow on. Um, but uh, yeah, that one it clearly uh, got a bit silly uh, in this one to a level that I think a lot of people found hard to watch, unfortunately, uh, on this one. But um, what do we have? 42 
42 lineouts uh, and a further 11 scrums, um, as well as the, as I say, the 38 penalty uh, penalties. Boy, oh boy, um, a lot of uh, well, a lot of stoppage in this game and resets. Um, if you couldn't score a first phase, then you were probably going to be in trouble in this one. Looking at how often the the, 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 the game stopped. Um, so, uh, but um, I say I didn't watch the whole thing. John, I'm sure you did. Your key takeaways from this one? Am I being a bit unfair uh, with, with some of those comments? No, not not at all. Um, South Africa were in a position that is almost unique to this competition. Maybe maybe the Six Nations the same where they needed to win the competition by scoring lots of tries and they are not trained, they are not coached to be a team that scores lots and lots of tries. So they reaped what they have sown for the last four years or five years, six years, whatever it may be. Um, they play a style of rugby that is focused around winning each test and not about scoring a bunch of points. So now they try to click into that that mode, which is what was required to win the tournament, and they just didn't have the structures and they didn't have the skill set, some of them, as exemplified by Damien De Lende, who tried to distribute the ball um, behind the one-off runner coming on his inside, like some of um, the number 12s would do for New Zealand and for Australia. And a number of times his pass just wound up on the grass because he just doesn't have the distribution skills for that. So basically what I would say to to uh, any team that's playing against South Africa in the future and in the World Cup is if De Lende gets the ball, he is either going to he's probably 70% of the time, 75% of the time going to run it straight up or he's going to pass to 13, right? He's not going to, or he's going to pass to the runner right next to him. He's not going to um, produce some wonderful magical distribution because he can't, right? The other thing that struck me as well is that Francois Stein was a little too overeager. He was um, almost trying too hard he missed a few penalty kicks to touch because he was trying to bite a little bit too much and try and kick the leather off the ball. And um, that's probably an indicator, if you wanted one, that the last time he started a match at 10 for South Africa was 14 years ago. I mean, 2008, he started at 10. So I, I think that he's very much an option at 10, but you've got to give him game time and you've got to just tell him at times Francois Stein with all of his talent can be like a, an over-anxious schoolboy player and just say to him, you know, just calm down, calm down, trust yourself, don't grasp too much for it. Um, I, and my other thought was one Martin Gonzalez. Um, I think, yeah, Gonzalez is making a good a good case of being the best blindside flanker in the in the world at the moment. Yes, he is he is a superstar in the making. He really and truly is a superstar in the making. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, for me, one of the potential players of the tournament. And depending on uh, how he goes in the end of your tour for Argentina, he might make the short list for. World Player of the Year, which is great for Argentina. It's great for them to have 
somebody to look up to. And the other thing, the final thought is um, heaven help any team that plays against South Africa in their back line. If South Africa, if Arm comes back and South Africa starts uh, Francois Stein, Damien Delende and and and, and Arm at at thirteen, and you and the South African first five is one hundred and thirteen kilograms, then I wouldn't like to be trying to attack. I wouldn't like to be trying to take the ball up um, or or try and stop the the heavy runners because a couple of times. The Argentinians ran at Francois Stein, and he he picked the players up like they were red dolls and held them in the air. Um, and, and created the turnover. So a couple of uh, things in that we'll remember that we're missing both Pollard and Balimsa and Am in that back line. So we are we are missing. This is not a first choice uh, uh, Springboks back line by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and Junchies wasn't available for selection because of the scandal going on there as well. So. It was the fourth choice. Yep, absolutely. Um, and uh, you're looking, but we look at some of those the names in this, and you got to say that uh, perhaps South Africa uh, also re relying on old, on. Uh, you've got players like Jesse Creel, Francois Stern. Um, you've also um, got uh, oh, who's the number eight, the old number eight that um, wasn't starting in the oh, as well. Vermeulen. Um, Vermeulen. You def there's definitely a number of really aging players in here that uh, perhaps are well. I would say past their best. Um, to be honest, um, but um, the, uh, the, the there is a bit of a dad's army look to a kind of like a third or or, or of this team, um, and uh, I know they said the same about the two thousand and three England rugby team went on to win the Rugby World Cup, but uh, yeah, there is there is a dad. I said there is a bit, a bit of a uh, well, I say yeah, a dad's army bit to that, which I think perhaps I thought the last Rugby World Cup would be their final hurrah, but anyway. John, I'm going to have to Look, I think I, I think Jasper Willemse is is an, uh, something I should have mentioned. He was man of the match. Who his emergence um, from major prominence in English Premiership rugby, to be fair, to this season really stepping up, and he is now the first choice ahead of Dwayne Vermeulen at eight. Is is very telling, and he is starting to have a major impact as a ball carrier for the for the box. Okay, moving on then. Um, thank you, John. Uh, um, Mr. Harris, your thoughts um, on this one? Uh, and it's uh, any points to add after uh, about how uh, yeah, how stop start it was, or um, and also how wonderful. Oh, um, but, listen, I think John summed it up pretty well. You know, I don't think they were ever going to entertain uh, a situation of going out and playing an open style again because that would have just suited Argentina to, to no end. It was really about getting the victory and, you know, you, and you could kind of see in those first four tries that they basically went back to the strength that they they, they knew first try was, was was a pushover. Great, great, great control. And uh, I was going to say some good discipline by the, the Argentinian loose forward. It would have easier to have fallen in there, but that would have been another yellow card to go with the five other yellow cards that we, uh, that we actually saw in this game. And, um, yeah, when they when they play to their strengths, they are very very brutal 
brutal side. What you see is what you get. They, you know, they come with the instructions already on the label how they're going to play. It's up to another team just to counter how they play. But obviously, the moment of the match was uh, Gonzalez with that step. I think I felt a bit sorry for Willie LaRue because I'm pretty sure in his own mind he thought he was going to chop in. No way in the world would a loose forward try and take him on the outside. And poor old Willie was unfortunately so wrong footed. But what impressed me was the actual pace that he actually showed to get to the corner, even with the cover defence coming across. Man, that mm. was that was that was pretty amazing. That was pretty amazing. Mm. But um, it's not, I think South Africa secretly that they probably think they probably missed a missed a trick in winning this championship, and they'll probably look back to that moment and their last. Probably when you think about it, and this is how small the margins are, they'll probably think back to that last several minutes. At, at in, in Joburg at Alice Park against the All Blacks, that's that mm. was probably the winning and losing of this championship. They win that one, and mm. it, it's pretty much that it's pretty much theirs quite quite comfortably. So I think it'll be a little bit of a a rock in the mm. back of their back of their shirts shirts mm. there. But on saying that, they listen as John rightly said. They they introduced um, you know a, a, a new number eight and one of the wingers, mm. which I've just forgotten the winger's name, mm. who looked who looked really good. So. You know, whilst there is a, a few elder guys in there, I think it's good that they've actually introduced some new guys into into the spring Springbok team onwards and upwards. And um, I'll certainly be watching them on their uh, on their trip up to the Northern, Northern Hemisphere as well. I will be the All Blacks for. Look, I mean, um, so you're talking about Moody. Uh, is that uh, is, is that young winger who's come in and played fantastically? Uh, you've uh, um, yeah, a two points game um, decided this championship. So this is one of the best championships we have seen. Uh, in a very, very long time, uh, the fact that it came down to that game. Um, coming after four games, all the, all the teams on two wins, two losses, uh, it finished up uh, New Zealand on 19 points, South Africa just behind on 18, uh, Australia on 10, uh, and then Argentina on nine. So a lot of those think decisions made on just single points. So fantastic um, piece um, from that Um uh, for, for, from all those ones. And yeah, as John reminds me in the private chat there, uh, we're also missing uh, a certain Cheson Colby, who I think is a decent player occasionally on his, on his day. Other times, you know, he can be a bit, a bit, a bit miss. So yeah, so um, about half of that back line is not first choice. So a number of, uh, uh, which, which again, the fact that we can uh, forget that Cheson Colby is available shows the depth in, uh, in, in South African rugby um, as well. So Along with New Zealand, look two of the two of the great producers of music of, of rugby talent uh, in the world, and we see them jetting off around the world to various places like the Premiership, where company where where, where clubs are going bust. But hey, there we go. Um, thank you. Uh, any any sort of final points from from the world of rugby that um, that that any of you would like to uh, to, to to bring up, folks? Um, uh, just while you're having a quick think of that, I'll go around the houses. Um, I'll just remind everybody tomorrow if you are in Taronga. Head along to uh, Bay of Plenty versus Northland at Taronga Domain. Kick off five past four. Myself and Stephen Harris will be there. So um, look out for the bucket hat and come and say hello uh, if you are at the game, please. Um, but uh, Stephen, any any thoughts from uh, the last week or so in, uh, in in rugby that you want to finish on? Uh, yeah, just just finally, listen. If we have champ, if we if we have championships like this, 
rugby championships like this every year. I'm hopeful that South Africa actually stays, as opposed to going going uh, going north, John. So that's the uh, that's that's pretty much the uh, the first thing. And other than that, Paul, uh, I just want to know where we're going for dinner tomorrow night uh, down in Tauranga after the Northern Bay of Plenty game. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure something out. I'm gonna, my plan at the moment is to ask the uh, Bay of Plenty. Uh, staffers to give us a, a, a restaurant recommendation around there because I've not eaten in that area. But if you know of any good restaurants in the area around Tarong and Benane, hit me up at Driving Mall on Twitter and do let us know um, so that myself, Stephen, and my parents can go and have a nice old meal. Joey, any uh, final thoughts on rugby from the last week or so? Uh, no, but I do have recommendation. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> If you run out of ideas, uh, the Trinity Wharf does really good dinner. There we go. So Trinity Wharf is uh, is, is going to be Googled and we'll uh, check out um, the recommendations on that. Thank you very much for that, uh, Joey. John, any final thoughts on uh, rugby from the last couple of weeks? All right. I just wish that there was a Springbok All Black match to be played in New Zealand. I realise that they've there's scheduling issues, but it would be so great if there was a third match um, and especially if there was one in New Zealand where we could see those top two teams play each other both home and away. I, I don't know what the schedule is for next year. I know it's a World Cup year, so we might not get as many games, but maybe we might be fortunate enough to see South Africa play twice in New, in New Zealand, and, and that would be really great, I think, for the New Zealand public uh, because for me at the moment – with the possible exception of Ireland, to be fair. Um, the, uh, to me, uh, yeah, and, and France. The, the, these are the, the two primary... ...in the world. Yes. And you've got uh, South Africa and New Zealand behind them um, at the moment. Yeah. And, and let's be see different on the, on the November tours. But, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Quite right. Next year, obviously, with the... Um, there'll, be, there'll be less... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Less games because of the... Um, because uh, we're World Cup, I'm not. I don't know. I was going to say I'm not sure. I hate people saying they're not sure when they haven't got a fucking clue. Um, so yes, I haven't got a clue as to what we're going to do next year. <laughs> Let's be absolutely honest. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll have to wait until uh, until we see an announcement. Thank you very much, um, John. Thank you very much, uh, Stephen. Uh, as well. and thank you very much, Joey, on your uh, debut um, here uh, at this one. Oh, Simon says uh, from his understanding there'll be two games against Africa in New Zealand next year. That I very much doubt, but um, I could be wrong. Um, and uh, if I am then uh, so be it. Uh, it's been known to happen once or twice before, but not very often. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget, um, at Driving Mall on Twitter, New Zealand Sport Radio, uh, Facebook page, uh, and uh, stay safe, folks. Have a great week. Ciao, everyone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.